It's Dr. Shantae, and welcome to another episode of Branding for Believers podcast, the podcast where I inspire entrepreneurs and influencers to believe bigger in their dreams. Welcome to episode 26 of Branding for Believers. This episode is sponsored by the DYOB Experience. The DYOB Experience is a weekend of brand transformation where I mentor women to build powerful platforms and transform their businesses inside out. So you can start Certainly check that out at dyobexperience.com where you can watch the transformations and see what the buzz is all about. So this episode, kind of a popular demand episode, this represents the weekly emails and tweets and tags and all kinds of ways that people contact me via social media or in my inbox talking about how they see me as a digital mentor. And I appreciate that. That's not something that I take lightly. And so this episode is in response to many of the questions and concerns and some of the things that my listeners are struggling with and have questions about. And I appreciate them. And from time to time when I can, so in between the pod classes and interviews, I certainly want to make sure that I'm addressing your concerns in the best way that I can, because I do appreciate your listenership. And so this is my way of saying thank you. And so in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about how to choose the clients that are right for you. I know that we spend a lot of time in the belief in action series talking about client profiles. However, I do still get a lot of questions and concerns and really a lot of what do I do now when the relationship with the client begins to turn south and things are not really working out as as planned. And so I want to be able to speak to that. And by the way, pod classes are going to resume in November. And if you want to attend one of those pod classes, you can go to brandingforbelievers.com and look at the next dates that are coming up for a pod class where you can see this and witness this in person. So for this episode, our guiding thought comes from Luke chapter nine, verse 62. And it says, Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so as we're talking about choosing the right clients for your business, we're going to be talking about the fact that even Jesus, yes, Jesus had a client profile. And I know that probably sounds funny, like, wait a minute, what'd she say? Did she say Jesus had a client profile? Yes, he did. And I'm watch, I'm going to prove it. I'm all the magic is going to unfold. Just stay with me. (laughs) We're also going to go beneath the surface of determining how people are going to be a right fit for our business. We're going to talk about what money really costs. And I'm also going to leave you with some questions that you need to consider. So first things first, Jesus had a client profile. What do I mean by that? If you read through the Bible, there are all kinds of instances where Jesus is articulating exactly what the requirements are for you to be a member of his group, for you to be down with his clique, for you to be a member of his tribe, for you to be one of his disciples. He is very clear and specific about the types of attitudes that you need to have, the type of behaviors that you need to conduct in order to be a member of his group, to be a a part of his circle. And in case you're you're wondering like, okay, I could kind of see that. Here are some things that, that he talks about. So one of the things that he mentions is 
in order for you to be a member of his circle, in order for you to be a member of his tribe, you have to acknowledge that you need him and you have to believe that he is able to help you. So there's a little bit of, of belief that's required and there's a little bit of confession that is required. He also requires that you are able to put him above other people in your life. That's something that people struggle with. And he is very explicit about counting the cost as to whether or not that's something that you can do. He also requires that you set aside your agenda for his agenda so that you become a true follower, a true servant, which means that you are obedient to what his will is as opposed to what your will is. He also requires that you give up your old ways. So there are some things that you're not going to be able to do anymore when you become a member of his circle. And he also tells you up front that you can expect persecution. He says a lot of what I talk about is not really popular. It doesn't resonate with everybody. And so if you are going to be one of my peeps, you are going to have to have a thicker skin and you're going to be able to have to expect some persecution because if they didn't like me, they're probably not going to like you either. And his whole approach was this. I know that I'm really popular. I know you heard about the healing and the miracles and all this other type of stuff. And I know that that what I'm talking about sounds like a bomb benefits package. But let me tell you up front what is really required to be in my circle. So while he didn't see these as clients per se, he does have criteria for what it takes to follow him. And we can, I translate from a branded perspective that into a client profile, being very clear and specific about what is necessary for us to work well together. And what Jesus teaches and and the lesson for us to learn from this is that he knows what will and will not work for the platform that he's built. So when he lists out all of these attitudes and these behaviors about things you should do, things that you should be and, and how you should feel in your heart, he lays all of that out because he knows what is going to be necessary to work for the platform that he's trying to build. So if he's trying to build this kingdom and he's trying to get people to, to, to spread the gospel and all this good stuff, he knows what is going to be required for you to be able to do that. He also lays these things out for brand protection. So these attitudes, these behaviors, these things that are going to be necessary to make the relationship work. He does that also to protect his brand, because I think that, you know, and I certainly know a number of people who say that they follow him, but their attitudes don't reflect that they follow him. Their behavior does not reflect that they follow him. And people that are out there like that are diminishing his brand. You know, he becomes guilty by association. And so he says up front, look, this is the kind of attitude that you need to have. These are the types of things that you need to be doing. Otherwise, you're going to make me look bad. And when you start making me look bad, then you're compromising the platform. And then people don't want to join up with us anymore. So I need you to be on the up and up so that you don't diminish the brand. So That said, you guys need to dig a little more deeply with regard to the clients that you want to work with. I know that when you're first getting started and you are so excited to have anybody interested and wanting to do business with you, and that's kind of like a a, a trap. That's kind of a rookie mistake because you're so thirsty and you're so excited and you're so hungry for success that sometimes you will take the first client that shows a little bit of interest in you. But I'm going to ask you to pump your brain stop for a minute and really think about that to really count the cost because everybody that comes to you with enthusiasm, everybody that comes to you with money is not necessarily your client. 
And while people might come to you with enthusiasm initially, you might find out in the long run that it's not a good fit. And just because people have money to pay you initially, when it comes to some of those later payments, you might find out that it's not exactly a good fit. Or you might find that their money is not worth the aggravation of working with them as a client because you didn't vet them, you didn't screen them, you didn't have a process for making sure that this was going to be someone that you could work with. For example, sometimes you will have a client that is enthusiastic about your product or service, but they're not willing to do the work or they're not willing to make the kind of investment of time, energy, and resources necessary to make it happen. So for example, if you're a trainer or a health coach and you have clients that are excited about losing weight and they want to build muscle and they want to fit back into their clothes, that's great. But if they don't follow the regimen, then that's going to reflect poorly on your brand. And so if they're going around saying, hey, so-and-so is my trainer or hey, so-and-so is my health coach and three months, four months, six months down the line, they are just as big as they ever were or just as flabby as they ever were, then that's going to be a reflection on you because everybody knows that that is your client and that person is not following the regimen. They're not doing the things that are necessary or making the investments of time or energy or resources necessary to get the kind of results that they said that they wanted initially. So when you are talking about working with people and who's the right client for you, just because they have money doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a good fit. And here's something that I definitely want to stress and emphasize is the fact that just because you have money doesn't mean that your brand is growing. So let me repeat that. Just because you have money, just because you're making money, I'll say that just because you're making money does not necessarily mean that your brand is growing. Your pockets might be growing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your brand is growing. And so even if you are taking money from people who aren't doing the work, because you might be thinking, well, oh, well, if they don't, if they don't do what they're supposed to do, if they don't manifest the results, if they don't do whatever, then that's not my problem. Well, it actually depends on what the goals are for your brand, because if you want to build a platform that says I've helped people become successful, then you need to show evidence of people who are successful. So if you have clients that are not doing what is necessary to make it happen, even if they're paying you every month, that is going to diminish your brand because you have someone out there telling a narrative about your brand that is contrary to the narrative that you're telling about your brand. So making sure that those clients are a good fit is very important. So I would suggest that you be a little bit more intentional about your screening process, that you need to ask questions up front that will help you determine whether or not it's a good fit. And you also need to be upfront about what is required. And the reason why you do this is because you accept and adopt the notion that their success is your success. And so when they walk away with positive results and people see the changes and the transformation in them, people are going to ask questions. What have you been doing? Who have you been working with? And then that becomes a feeder for additional referrals that can come to your business. Hopefully people that are like-minded and are willing to put forth the, the time, the effort, the money, the resources, and the commitment to get those types of results. So as I mentioned, even though somebody might be paying you and, and you're taking their money, 
Another thing about working with clients and making sure that they're a good fit, and I say this all the time, that all money is not good money. Some of us have learned that the hard way. I have learned that the hard way, that all money is not good money. And I want to tell you what money really costs. So the real cost of money is this. When you accept someone's money, you have also accepted their attitude. And so if they have a funky attitude or they have a nasty attitude or they have some some challenges communicating in a respectful manner with people or with you, then because they have paid you, they feel like you are now obligated to deal with their attitude. When you accept someone's money, you have also accepted their input. Okay. Now, depending on the nature of your business or product or service, of course, you welcome client feedback and you definitely want to make sure that you are serving their needs. And that is important. However, Sometimes some clients take this to an extra level, to an elevated level and start demanding things that are not within the scope of what you guys agree to, or they start asking you for things above and beyond what you can reasonably provide based on their investment. So the real cost of money, not only are you accepting their attitude, but you're also accepting their input. You are accepting their expectations of you. You are accepting their demands of your time and you are accepting their energy. So when money exchanges hands, okay, unless it's like, you know, a simple product exchange, like donuts or food or cell phones, whatever, that's different. You know, like you give me money, I give you product. But if you're a service provider, okay, and you're building your platform through providing services for other people, then what you are accepting is all of these other components. Like I said, the demands on your time, energy, because some people feel like when they pay you for something, then they can email you, call you, text you 24 hours a day, even though that might not be what you initially agreed to or expected from them, or you just assumed that they would know that because you didn't thoroughly vet or screen your client, then all of these additional things come out of the woodwork. And you think to yourself, man, if I knew then what I know now, I never would have worked with this client. So one example of this is a wedding. Now, many of you have either been married or seen people go through the planning process for a wedding. And if the couple is paying for everything, then the couple calls all the shots. So when the couple is paying for the whole wedding top to bottom, then the couple pretty much has authority, autonomy over everything that happens at that wedding. However, in many cases, if they accept financial assistance from a third party, so from parents or grandparents or whatever, the minute that you accept financial assistance from a third party, then you have also invited their input and their two cents and their vision for what the wedding should look like and their assessment of what's worth their investment. So if someone says that they're going to give you $2,000 for your wedding, you might be thinking, whew, great, that's such a relief because this is going to help us pay for this, that, and the third, and it relieves the financial pressure of of all these other things. However, that $2,000 may have some strings attached because as I said, a lot of times when people offer their financial assistance, now they feel like that gives them an open invitation to give their input about what should be, what shouldn't be, what they like, what they don't like, what their $2,000 should pay for and what their $2,000 is not going to pay for. So don't get it twisted. Just because someone wants to work with you and wants to be your client, keep in mind that money 
always has strings attached. And so to that end, because money has strings attached, because you are also accepting along with their money, their attitude, their input, their expectations, demands on your time and their energy, you want to make sure, just like we did in our in our biblical example, you want to be very clear and upfront. This is the type of client that I'm looking for. This is the type of client that I work best with. So in order to make sure that happens, here are some questions that I want to leave you with. You need to ask yourself, what type of people do I hate to work with? So think about jobs that you have now or jobs that you've had in the past. What type of people do you hate to work with? What types of attitudes just sap your energy and you're like, oh, gosh, can we please just get through this because this is going to drive me nuts. So think about those moments. Think about those people. And where have you clashed with people in the past? And once you have a good idea of who you hate to work with, then you start to have a better idea of who would be a good fit for your client. You also need to ask yourself, under what conditions have you had successful collaborations with people? So it hasn't been all bad. There have been some situations where you really vibed with people. You guys collaborated on a project. It was a great success. You had a communication plan. You had a certain dynamic where things really worked well for you. What type of person was that? What type of attitude did they have? What types of beliefs did they share that you share? What types of actions did they take that made you think, yes, I would definitely work with this person again. And whatever those things were that made them a good person to work with, chances are those are also going to be people that are you are going to work best with in your business. Those are also going to be people that are going to be great candidates for being your client. And once you've gone through those questions, once you've really sat and thought about what you can work with, what you can't work with, what you are willing to work with, what you're not willing to work with, thinking about the types of attitudes and behaviors and conditions under which you work best, then you take that information, kind of boil it down into a single statement and put it up front on your website, social media, wherever you can think of, so that when people are saying that they want to work with you, when they get to your website, they should see something that says, I work best with clients who want this and are willing to do that. Or I work best with clients who are willing to invest such and such or have this type of attitude or are willing to do these types of things. Just let people know right out of the gate, this is the type of client that I'm looking for. And so when people see that, the clients where that message resonates with them and they're like, yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This person is in alignment with my values and with my attitude. Those are going to be the people that gravitate towards you. People where the message really doesn't resonate with them, that's okay. Okay, because what's happened is now people are are self-selecting in and out of your sales funnel. They're self-selecting in and out of your action cycle. And so you want people to do that. So when they're self-selecting, then that helps you when you start asking questions or have a consult with them or start screening them, that you are sure that this is going to be a relationship, a client relationship that's going to be mutually beneficial. So at the end of the day, the difference between having a client that fits and a client that doesn't is the difference between having someone who is in alignment with your values, who is in alignment with your process, who is in alignment with your goals for their success versus having somebody who is a liability. Because when a client is not a good fit, they become a liability. They become someone who can potentially badmouth your brand or hop on social media and say disparaging things about you. And even though you can never control the variable of human behavior, you can never control or predict what 
what people are going to do in a given situation. What I will say is that when you have clients that are in alignment with your values and that are in alignment with the way that you communicate and carry yourself and and what you believe in and the things that you value, chances are those are going to be the people that are going to have success and people that are going to be willing to refer others, other like-minded individuals versus someone who could become a potential liability for your brand or your business. So that wraps up our first mentor moment. I hope that this was helpful to you. I get these questions all the time and I don't always have time in my schedule to answer them, but I definitely wanted to take a moment and give some direct feedback based on the questions and the inquiries that I get through my inbox and on social media and honor the fact that you guys do see me as a digital mentor. I wanted to give you guys some more one-on-one time, even though that doesn't always happen in the podcast. I really do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. So as always, you can tweet your takeaways, your aha moments, all those good things on Twitter or on Instagram. And I will see you guys on our next episode. Bye-bye.